1: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear multi
0: I'm
2: your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited... For you to hear this episode. It was live at Broadway Con. How cool is that? I got to do it with a panel and, uh, and in front of an audience. It felt so amazing. I loved having this conversation and, and I really think um, I really think you're gonna like it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hello. Do I need to speak into the mic? Yeah, okay, good. Hi. Wow. Hello everyone! This is a live recording of my podcast. Um, I uh, created Dear multi It, oh, maybe in 2018, and then was picked up by Broadway Podcast Network right when they started. So I've been a part of the Broadway Podcast Network family for a bit now, and I'm so thrilled. Alan, I owe you so much, I love you so much. Um, he just blew me a kiss for anyone that didn't see offstage. Um, this has opened up so much, um, not only for myself, but for conversations with um, artists of all ages. Uh, of how to cultivate theater and TV and film on your own. Um, how to, I, I mean, is, is there anyone here that is always like either asked the question or been told like, when are you gonna pick one thing to focus on? <laughs> and I have gotten that, li- I've been in the industry 22 years and I'm, thir- I'm 31 today, today's my birthday. And um, thank birthday! you so much, what a great way to celebrate. Um, I've been- fr- We'll the, sing uh, later, oh, it's yes, okay. Please, we have great vocalists on this panel. Um, been in the industry 22 years and I've always not only just loved performance but I've loved creating and just picking up a camera and documenting a moment but I've been told so many times uh you have to pick one thing and I was like why like when did who said that their multi-hyphenates have been since the dawn of time I mean even Molly Brown was a multi-hyphenate right survivor of the Titanic she literally was an activist and an actor she did multiple things Mel Brooks. Um, and today we have Rachel Brosnahan, Issa Rae, we have this panel full of people. So many people are multi-hyphenates, and instead of reading our bios, I mean, I have Jen Tepper, I have Kaisha Hughley, I have John Cariani, and I have Jen Waldman. Look them up, follow them on social media. We'll pull the, we'll pull, um, we'll, uh, you know, share everyone's social medias lately, but they are incredible, incredible artists. So instead of reading their bios, I want to jump right into the conversation and just sort of go down the line and ask what to you is a multi-hyphenate? Jen...
3: Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Thanks for having us, Mikey. Of course. (laughs) Um, So without doing a full buy or anything, I'm Jen Tepper. Uh, I'm a theater historian. I'm a theater producer. Um, I wear a lot of hats. I run 54 Below. Um, I'm doing the bio. I said I wouldn't. Um, But a lot of being a multi-hyphenate is um, taking one thing and letting it feed another thing. I've written some books called The Untold Stories of Broadway with like 300 Broadway folks in them. Most of those folks I got to interview and include in the book because I worked with them as a producer or I, I you know, put them at 54 below so being a multi hyphenate is like finding your passions and seeing how they all feed each other I guess I would say um yeah happy birthday thank you Jen
2: all right passing the baton to Kaisha Hughley yes. do I need the oh yep birthday. let me do that
4: Thank you. Hello, everyone. Michael, thank you for having us. I'm Kaisha Hughley, pronouns she, her. I'm an actor and creative. Um, I do a lot of different things as well. I believe that being a multi-hyphenate is about, again, having proficiencies across multiple industries or across one industry. And so for me, most of my proficiencies, if you will, are in theater. except for one, but it's still related to theater, so I guess you could say I have like one that's not in the (laughs) same industry. But yeah, um, I think I answered it. I'm gonna pass it along.
0: Hi, I'm John Cariani, and I'm an actor and a writer. Um, I think uh, (laughs) human beings are multi-hyphenates. I mean, everybody does everything. I mean, I came up really slowly, like I didn't, I wasn't very successful in my 20s as an actor. And all my friends weren't either, so we were always doing everything. I mean, I didn't really get anywhere until I was in my 30s, and so I feel like we all learned, my friends all learned from a young age, and I have some really awesome, successful friends. Like, we learned from a young age that you can, the only way to be creative is to be creative every day, and if you're not being allowed to be creative as an actor, then you have to be creative other ways. I also learned in 2000, I did my first movie. My very first movie was with Robert De Niro. I had scenes with Robert De Niro, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. And I was in L.A. for six weeks, and I worked four days. Four days and six weeks, and I sat in a hotel room in Los Angeles by myself, and I wrote because I didn't know what else to do because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere because they needed me. They needed me, quote-unquote. And I think that's when I realized that I'm not happy sitting in a hotel room waiting to do my scenes in a movie. I want to make stuff, so that's what a multi-hyphen is to me, somebody who wants to make stuff no matter how they have to make it.
5: I love that. I'm Jen Waldman, she, her. I feel like it doesn't make sense to me that someone would not be a multi-hyphenate. It just never occurred to me to do one thing. And maybe because I grew up in the musical theater, that was just built into it. You sing, you dance, you act, and this idea that you juggle many different skill sets at the same time. Uh, In my adult life now, a multi-hyphenate for me, in my context, is someone who is able to crisscross industries and bring ideas and skill sets from one group of people who have a particular vision or idea to another group of people who have a different vision or idea. Maybe complementary, but one might be doing it in the world of business and one might be doing it in the world of the arts, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what it is to me right now. Ask me again next year, I might have a different answer.
2: (laughs) And that's the exciting thing about multi it is that it's not a new term it was coined sort of in the 1970s I think in referring to Mel Brooks um, but there's no like definite you know I think it, it was just like sort of thrown out there no one was like Mel Brooks is a multi hyphen no it sort of has become this thing of well I'm it's like this anti-label label so um, you know, what Jen says is really interesting. It's like, ask again in a year, because I think there's a lot of field work that's happening right now in terms of, like, what does it look like to be your own boss, be your own producer? Like, my co-creator, Ashley Kate Adams, has a book that just came out called Be Your Own Producer, and it's about being your own producer, which really is being a Multi hyphen it. I mean, you are producing your own work. You're producing your own experience. Um, and so, something about experience, and you know, I was talking with, with some of the panelists before, a question that arises as we're starting to see a lot on social media is when does process become product? Um, because I think we're seeing a lot on TikTok, like, um auditions being posted on social media and it's like i personally am a performer that likes the comfort of being in a rehearsal room to do that or an audition room to do that not sharing my uh my product not sharing my process as product for all the world to see and then potentially judge me or you know drop in the comments and be like wow that wasn't good that wasn't polished i just feel as multi-hyphenates we are allowed to engage in a private uh, um, approach to process. But since we're all being really transparent in our artistry these days, I wanna open up this discussion as to like, we, all of these people on this, on this panel, have to do something with process in different ways. As a cabaret producer and producer and writer, as a writer over here, as someone that owns one of the the best um, studios in New York City and an incredible <laughs> TikTok creator. Like, you, there's a different levels of process. So I just want to open it up. What is um, what are your thoughts on that? Of process becoming a public uh, entity. <laughs> Go for it.
4: So there are times where I love it and times where I absolutely hate it. Um, There's a sound on TikTok that's like, everything is content, everything is content, everything is content. And like, literally, I cracked up when I first heard it because everything is becoming content. And there are very few things that we keep for ourselves or for our work and and whatnot. But the times that I love it is, you know, right now six auditions are going on. There's some callbacks happening and I am loving keeping up with, you know, who's getting called back and for which queen. And like, it feels like I'm watching a reality show on (laughs) social media. And so that's fun, right? But an example of a time where I don't like it as much is when I'm in a dance class. Like, when I'm in that dance class, I'm just trying to dance and I'm trying to improve my technique and get better. And, you know, most teachers at most of the studios in New York will ask, is it okay to film? But as soon as that camera comes out, it makes me feel like I need to have a perfect product because this is going to be shared on the internet. And then it's no longer a learning environment for me because I don't feel safe because I'm like, oh my gosh, this camera, what if someone sees that, you know, my leg? didn't get high enough on the choreo, and now I'll never get a job in this industry. All of those things start to come into your head, right? But, um, so yeah, I'm kind of in the middle on it overall. I do personally like to share um, my process for certain things. Like I like to vlog when I'm in a tech week or you know, when I'm getting ready for a show or to take someone along with me to the show so that they can know what to expect because some of this content is about access, if you will, and showing someone the behind the scenes of what they can actually expect versus you know, content that is curated to make someone believe that it's gonna be one way, but providing more transparency into the lifestyle, if you will.
3: Yeah, related to that, I think um, you know one of my favorite things I get to program at Fifty Four Below is artists in process, especially when it's writers that are sharing you know songs that they've just written, songs that are from new musicals that we might see in full soon. Um, that's so special, but it's always up to the artist's discretion. So a lot of what you're saying, I think too, is like it depends on do you want a camera on you at that moment? Can that teacher film you? Um, and it's a really powerful thing. But I think you know in the past before we had social media, which has provided you know so much access and so many. Positives, it was up to the artist more. You know, if we heard like Candor and Ebb's Chicago demo, it was after the fact. Mm-hmm. It was like because we were digging around for it. Um, a very small amount of people got to be part of the process. And now, like, it's amazing that more people get to because of all these platforms we have. Um, but you know, like Gwen Verdon didn't have to worry, someone was gonna tweet about like how she moved her leg wrong in Act Two. Um, it's just a different kind of animal than it ever used to be. Um, and I think that like it's artist's choice, but sometimes it's not, and that's usually where the problems come in Consent. Consent. <laughs> yes.
5: am I the oldest one on the panel no, I am. <laughs> okay so <laughs> I don't know if we feel the same way about this John we'll see if we represent our generation um, I I would like to see uh, the artists having a more deep conversation with themselves about setting boundaries and then expressing those boundaries to the people with whom they are working. And so, I've had a lot of clients of mine, after the fact, get really upset when they see themselves on the, the website or the, uh, the social platform for a particular dance studio. And then I will ask, when the teacher took the camera out, did you say, I'm not comfortable being filmed? Well, no, I felt uncomfortable because I didn't realize that was going to happen. Well, the first time that happens, you can't really blame yourself. But once you know that cameras in the studio are a thing, then you've got to ask yourself the next time this comes up, how am I going to do this? Am I going to ask at the front desk when I sign in, will there be cameras in this class? And if the answer is yes, do I opt out? So like, I'm, I'm talking more about like the artist than the audience at this point, but... On the other side of that, the audience, I think the other question the artist has to ask themselves is who is this for? So if I am allowing cameras into my rehearsal, who am I hoping sees this and what do I hope they get out of this? And sometimes the answer is it's for me because i I think the work is good, and I think it represents me really well, and sometimes it's it's for the audience because I've had people ask me what goes on behind the scenes and I want to be able to answer the question. but I think right now uh the complaints I'm getting from my clients are about this lack of intention and a lack of awareness about what's going to happen and when so I would just love to see more transparency around that um w I
0: don't so when does what, did, what was the process become, what was the question? When do
2: you, does like
0: process become Yeah, yeah, become be- product. <laughs> become product. Cool. I can't speak to social media because I'm not on it because I'm old and I was lazy. And you're cool. <laughs> no, it's cool. not really. It's just lazy, honestly. <laughs> um, also, just a little, aff- I mean, I'm old enough to not thrive when a camera's on me in my personal life. Like, I don't think people understand that a lot of us who are born a long time ago don't, thrive when a camera is right there and don't thrive in interviews. I mean, (laughs) so I don't, I think I see a lot, from what friends show me, a lot of stuff, most of what I see is curated, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So um, it's different. Uh, But wait, so to answer the question, I think we're really hard on others right now. Like we as individuals are very hard on other people. Mm -hmm. And I say with your own work, if you can be as hard on yourself as you are on other people, I think that would be really swell (laughs) as far as like, When you're ready to show people your work. I read a lot of plays for young people because I've been very lucky to have a lot of success. And um, I've been told by other people that when you're lucky as a playwright, you need to make sure that you help other playwrights. And I thought it was the best advice I ever got because how do you feel... I don't know, when you're successful, you got to share. you know. And I think we all need to learn that a little more. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, When people give me plays, I'll meet with them and I'll talk to them about them. And I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, I'll read a play and I'll tell them some thoughts, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I was going to work on that in the next draft. And I say, then don't give it to me until you've worked on it for your next draft. <laughs> it's a lot to ask people to read plays. I do it for free, because I feel like it's, it's like my volunteer thing I can do. Um, but I think it's really important to make sure you love it before you ask people to read it. And when you ask people to read it, I think ask people specifically what you want them to work on. So how is this answering? When is I don't give my plays to people until I know that they're what I think is what I want it to be. I'm really hard on myself, so it takes me a very long time to share anything. Even with my, I develop my work at Portland Stage Company in Portland, Maine. That's where I start everything out. I don't give it to them until I'm ready. Mm and I wait until I'm really ready. It's hard because sometimes you want the drug, the fix of please read my play and tell me that it's okay. But that's just not going to get the work done, and I think it's really being as hard on yourself as you would be on other people. That's kind of how I look at it.
2: I think that's a beautiful answer. I think these are all beautiful answers because they're specific to everyone's own multi hyphenate experience. I, I, I think that's amazing. I was talking with Wes Taylor. Um, I'm the executive producer of Indoor Boys uh, with Wes Taylor and Alex Wise, and if you haven't seen that web series, Indoor Boys tv it's pretty fabulous we had an emmy nomination it's kind of amazing um but wes um i was talking with him and he said you know if he can go back in time and uh tell his younger self not to put as much on youtube or on social media uh that he would do that just because you know it sort of has that process has affected the ultimate product of what he puts out into the world now Mm -hmm. Um, so being, remaining conscious of that. But I think that's a beautiful answer. And part of multi-hyphenating is creating access for others. Because uh, the way that I think about it is like, all right, if I have five hyphens to my name, actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, in some eyes that might be a little gatekeeper-y, right? I'm taking now like five jobs away from other people. Um, but if we then flip it on its head and create access for those people. And multi-eventing actually creates jobs um, because we're creating experiences that need people on board with us. But and in hiring people in that process of creating that product, you know, what Jen said, we need boundaries. And I think that is an incredible next thing to talk about. Boundaries are so important to the artist, uh, to relationships in 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 our field and everything. And I have I know that every time I have suris, which is Yiddish for troubles, um, <laughs> every time I have suris, it's because it's my own fault. In this industry, I cannot place the blame on anyone, and I shouldn't either. When you what. I don't mean to say you, Susanna Berryman, thank you. Um, (laughs) Jen and I went to the same college uh, and had the same professor, and one of our professors would always say, um, never say the general you, say I. So my experience is uh, I can't place the blame on people giving me service when I put myself in that position, right? I didn't contact my lawyer for the right agreement. I didn't talk to... Uh, myself about if I really wanted to do this job that I didn't establish the correct boundaries between myself and and this goes for auditions too like you, a boundary is being like does this is this audition something I want to go on do I want to tell this story that's a boundary so what's everyone's experience with boundaries in their own in their own right I mean how have they helped you what has been the discovery process for you when have you felt the most empowered about establishing a boundary between uh, you and your artistry.
3: I think, you know, what Jen said and what you just said made me think a lot about um, it's interesting that we all are so much allowed to grow. Like, all of us as artists are allowed to grow, but a certain generation um, inherently we grew on the internet. And like Wes Taylor said, you know, there's going to be stuff out there that you're like, I wish I didn't post that. But the hard thing is you don't want to censor yourself, right? You don't Mm want to say, I'm really proud of this video. I want to put it out there. I would probably be more talented at doing this in 10 years, so I'm not going to post it, right? (laughs) So it's such a hard balance. um, And I have done this concert series for over a decade now called If It Only Even Runs a Minute that celebrates underappreciated musicals. So at every concert... So good. <laughs> so Thanks. good. So good. Um, at, and people probably know it because since the beginning we were like, we want to provide access by putting every single video on YouTube as long as everyone involved consents to that video. So there's always been an ask to everyone involved and most people say yes, but there have been several times where actors have come to me later or writers have come to me later and been like, that's from 12 years ago and I don't sound oh. as good as I did do wow. now and my." Hair looks bad to me so you know <laughs> um and I'll look and I'll be like of course we're gonna take it down and I'll be like that has 12,000 views and there are so many people that know about that song and that musical because of you but like of course so and you know it's respecting each other's boundaries right it's knowing what your boundary is it's respecting other people's but also knowing that like any of us in this room that have social media and like bless you John Cariani yeah um, literally you're gonna scroll back someday to 10 years and be like oh my god like why was I wearing that like of course and we all have our own versions of that um so like it's kind of always a balance of what's my boundary but also like I'm showing this growth to other people and that's okay.
2: I love that. That's amazing. And before we go down the panel, I want to say like that judgment of of putting stuff out, our prefrontal cortex is not formed until we're 25, which like <laughs> literally doesn't, it, it, that it. is a big decision maker in our brain. So like if you're under 25 and you're like, I want to just take a breather and just think about it and go, what would my 35 year old self say about this? I didn't do a very good job of that. So it's okay, we're all in the same club. Anyway, take, take it away, whoever wants to go next. Oh, sure.
4: So in terms of boundaries, I really feel like I didn't get, I'm getting better at it, much better at it, especially over this course of the pandemic. Um, I think the pandemic made people more accessible And so I felt like I needed to say yes to everything that my job was asking me to do. And, you know, people on social media, hey, you want to get coffee over Zoom? And I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) Um, And I was getting really burned out from always making myself available for things. Um, And I think I've learned during this time that You know, something that plays over and over again in my head is your urgency is not my emergency. So I continuously like love using this beautiful little word. It's my new favorite word. No. And I have so many different ways to say it. I'm like, oh, that's great, but that doesn't align with what I'm doing at this moment. Oh, I know someone better who would actually love to participate in this during this time. It's really helping me to set boundaries to keep myself sane. I think that as actors, um, one of the reasons why I didn't have as strong boundaries as I do now is because I thought I needed to make myself available to the art, to the theater. I felt like um, I just needed to always be available and allow said process to do whatever the process needed to do to me, through me, et cetera. And I realized how unhealthy that was. And I think one of the things that opened my eyes up to that was when I started working on my certification in Intimacy Direction. You know, One of the things that is coming up a lot um, in Intimacy Direction right now is it's becoming more prevalent in dance. And so having a conversation about that was really interesting because as a dancer, it's like, oh well, you need to you need to touch my back to make sure my I'm in alignment. Great, go for it. But no, there, there should be consent there. There should be boundaries there. If I don't feel comfortable with my castmate touching my shoulder, I should be able to say, hey, listen, I don't I don't want you to touch my shoulder like that. And learning how to say those things and to say them like without having any hesitation because I think some of the things that come up for a lot of actors, oh, I don't want to be perceived as difficult to work with. I don't want to be perceived as someone who's not all here for the team. And it's like, no, I'm here for the team, but don't touch my shoulder. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of like my thing on boundaries. and And I want to see more... I want to see more actors step more fully into their agency. Um, I just did a show. I did Kinky Boots, and I had so many conversations about this, you know, in the you know holding rooms and things where we're, we're all kind of talking. you know, a lot of us were, like, you know, having conversations about things that maybe made us uncomfortable. And it's like, well, let's talk about them with the creative team, because guess what? They're human beings, too. And if they can't listen to our boundaries and to the things that we want to say, then why, why are we doing this? Mm. So... Mm
5: there are t- i love what everyone has said so far <laughs> so thank you um there there are two points that i feel like i want to make one is around alignment and uh the other is around growth mm-hmm. you know anytime your own boundaries are crossed because as michael said you haven't established them that is is an opportunity for you to go, oh, I just learned something about myself. I, I can grow in this way, rather than looking at yourself as having failed and going like, oh, how could I have been so stupid to not know that was gonna be coming down the pike? Instead you go, oh, I didn't know that was coming. This means it could come again. And this is my chance now to ask myself, what boundary do I wanna put in place for just, A very simple example, I was helping a client negotiate a contract last week, and she was cast as a swing, and it said swing as cast. So I asked her, well, how many tracks (laughs) are you covering? She said, oh, they didn't tell me. I said, well, I wouldn't sign this until they tell you, (laughs) because do you want to cover every single person in the ensemble, or can we like put a limit on maximum of six tracks? So... Sometimes even just having conversations with people can bring up things that you didn't know and then you can start putting boundaries in place. And then I think it was Jen who made the point about alignment, the, the best way to get in alignment with yourself is to know yourself better. And it's, it's challenging uh, as the world is shifting so quickly around us to be able to stay rooted in values and go, oh, okay, wait a minute, This. This thing is important to me. And this opportunity, while it's an amazing opportunity, does not align with what I know I am about. And that is so much easier said than done. But as you practice saying no, mm-hmm. uh, it gets easier.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe
4: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: I've never heard your urgency. It's not my emergency. <laughs> I love that so much because during the pandemic... You know, I didn't know what to do, so I was like, "Sure, yeah, oh yeah, sure, I'll do." And I was tired all the time. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Even though, yeah. like, doing these virtual readings and yeah. virtual everything and saying yes to everything, and I kind of think, I think as far as boundaries go, I've learned that—well, I haven't learned—I just figured this out. But multi-hyphenate doesn't mean multitasker. Mm-hmm. And I'm chapter not, I'm, six I'm, in my book, John. John? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here. I'm here for you. <laughs>
2: yeah, literally.
3: I've uh, never I, been on a panel with more things be, that should be put on a T-shirt. Yeah, like this yeah, is Seriously, all T-shirt quote, right? Quotes. right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I can't do more than one thing at the same... I can't. I do one I do one thing. I'm focused... Like, I'm a focus fiend. And if I'm watching a movie and you talk to me, I don't answer because I'm watching the movie and I don't hear... You know, I just... I love to be able to focus. And so I guess boundaries for me means if I have stuff to do... It, I've also learned, though, as a writer, you can't carve out eight hours every day to write because you don't write eight hours a day. You write two really good hours or three. So that's taken me a while to learn. But boundaries for me means... Um, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but physical boundaries, like I go to the library and write so that I'm in a different place for three yes. hours, and then I take the train home, like, and I get up, and I shower, and I shave, and I put on nice clothes so I'm not like in my boxers, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> all day, <laughs> um, and I just make sure that I have physical boundaries. I know that's a weird way to, way to think about it, but and, um, also just uh, time, knowing how much time realistically am I going to work on this, and uh, learning that multitasking doesn't mean you don't, you're not busy. It just means don't do, I can't do two things at once because like, I don't do them well and I don't finish and, and I quit too. I mean I find yeah. I get overwhelmed so I just say, well I can't, I can't. Yeah. And saying you can't is dumb. Let other people say it, they'll say it plenty. <laughs> uh,
2: that's, I can't believe you said that. I, he, John was not paid to say that. Um, but you know, another professor that Jen and I both had at Ithaca, Dr. Norm Johnson, he always said, um, you know, multitasking is not possible. And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, look at it like a pyramid. There's always something at the top that you're focusing on. And the other things sort of trickle down at the bottom. And it's like, that hurt my brain for a second. And then when I started to like be like, I'm an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, people were like, you're such a multitasker. I'm like, no, I'm not. Well, I mean, maybe at, mm, okay, what? So, and that like <laughs> broke my brain for a second. And I really needed to figure out what this sort of meant And that was like, okay, at times, we as multi-hyphenates certainly quickly switch tasks. So, like, as an uh, executive producer of a a small-budget SAG um, uh, uh, web series like Indoor Boys, there are times where I was producing as well as on camera B. And you know what I mean? And, like, dealing with the interns that were on set. But... So you know, I'm not gonna like press record and also have the intern and talk to the interns at the same time. Everything is done at like a very like a very specific second, so I'm not going like this, you know <laughs> d- uh, tapping m- whatever I just did. Um, I'm not doing that at all times. I'm setting a very specific amount of time to do those micro tasks. And in a bigger uh, environment, microcosm, hello, am I okay? Um, In a bigger picture of the multi-hyphenate, what John said, it's like from one to two, I write. And then from two to three, I have lunch. And then from three to four, I do this. We're not multitasking. We're just calling upon our different hyphens at different times of the day. Multi-hyphenating does not equal multitasking. Mm It's as simple as that. Okay, so y'all are saying incredible things, um, and I was like, "Right, I'm stealing Kaisha's pen because I did not come prepared." Um, okay, I want to talk about remaining open to art. Um, this was sort of tapped on before, and it's like that boundary that was that we didn't know that we needed in the pandemic. Being like, "I'm not doing your 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 free reading right now. Your free Zoom reading. Um, you're not paying me. I also like." I really, I'm just mentally exhausted from everything. But then I I don't know if you all have this experience, but in the back of my mind, I always go, okay, but what if that's the next Great American Musical? What if that's the next, you know, okay, what if I just passed on the opportunity to read the next Tony-winning Pulitzer Prize show? And now everyone is going to move on without me, and I said No. And that's called anxiety and OCD Um, and also being Jewish, I feel. Um, So how do we remain open to the art, but also like sort of say no? Like how do, you, how do you put that into your lives? Let's start at this end of the panel. Let's
5: shake it up. Yeah. Is that okay?
2: Let's shake it up.
5: Well, I'm just laughing so hard because I actually had that happen. I passed on a film that won an Oscar. Good. Okay? So Great. that was a problem. Um, but it, actually, in hindsight, would I do any of it differently? No. Because I'm very happy with the path that I'm on. Had I done that film, I wouldn't have met my husband. I wouldn't have mm. my amazing daughter. I wouldn't have the studio. Like, there's just yeah. you. You can connect the dots backwards, and you can't connect the dots forward. And so, in a, a business like this one, where people are creating new things every single day, there is an abundance of creation, and there's only one you. And I, I really do have peace, even though I make a lot of jokes about it, because. I am on a path that I've created for myself based on the things that matter to me, and I get to work with the people I love every day. And I I really couldn't ask for more. I don't even remember what the question was, but that's my answer.
2: I think that's beautiful, (laughs) remaining open to art. And also, like, I don't know if this was the same timeline, but... Jen was in the original cast of Titanic and in the national tour. Not okay, great, good. Okay, awesome. But you, but you were in Titanic, and yeah. I did see you in the national tour of Titanic, which was the first musical I tour. ever saw. Yes, yeah, so the first original touring cast of Titanic, and that was the first musical I ever saw. And I just think it's another Yiddish word, besheret, that here we are sitting on this panel together, right. first musical I ever saw, and we're having this conversation together. I he love that. He has a
5: tattoo of the Titanic. Yeah, it's on his the song. last
2: photo taken of the Titanic. Okay, great. Um, so, John?
5: <laughs> we need
3: Titanic Con. You yeah. would be the king. <laughs> Honey,
2: that's... Uh, okay, I'm going to write a strongly I, worded that's, letter. That's afterwards. one of the
0: first shows I saw when I moved here, and the, and the set broke. But I guess that happened a lot. But yeah. we just sat there, and we waited, and yeah. they fixed the set, and then they continued, and I was like, I had never seen that. I was like, when, what is happening? When
2: art imitates life, I guess, It's right? really cool. Oh, yeah, right? Totally, <laughs> totally. Oh. Was I was really on the ship funny. in a past life. I'm
0: allowed to make the joke. <laughs> Um, I guess. Well, first of all, I would like. To, I meant to say this earlier, and I forgot. But I think it's a privilege to not be a multi hyphenate, because I think I think very few people that's get. wild. And then I think. Well, I don't know. That's my thought on that. I don't really have it fully formed, but that's my thought. Just because, it, I think I was pushed into being a multi multi hyphenate because. Oh, you know what? I realized I heard someone really famous say once on a panel how much they loved to act. They loved, 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 loved to act. They loved it. They loved creating a character, and I was like huh, I don't, I love to act, but I love telling stories more. And I think that's what I always respond to. And I've passed on some awesome things. I haven't gotten some awesome things that I didn't think were awesome that turned out to be awesome because I didn't get them. And that's okay, you know, because I don't love every movie that's won the Best Picture Oscar. And I don't love every song that wins Grammy Awards. You know, like, that's we all know that. We all have taste, and our tastes are different. Mm -hmm. That's one of the cool things about right now is how different, like, There's room, it just feels like there's room for so much more. Anyway, open to art. I guess I just, you know, it's easier for me to talk about this because I'm a middle-aged man who, like, has, like, if you're still in the business at my age, you have some way of having income. And this is something that I talked to, like, I was just in Carolina Change, and a lot of the younger people in the cast, like, They don't get that the older people in the cast have been doing this for so long that they have like series that they've done or long-running Broadway shows that they've done or audio books or voiceovers or whatever. They have a stream of income and that's something that, you know, my plays give me a stream of income that's like, what do you call it, base level income? I don't know what you call it, but it allows you to choose, it allows you to not, if you don't like something, you get to choose. When you're younger, I think you have to take mm-hmm. everything. I think it's great, too, because then you are open to everything, but I have noticed, and this is back to the boundaries thing, mm-hmm. that a lot of my middle-aged friends and I are like, we have to like knock down some of our boundaries because mm-hmm. we are walled up people <laughs> at this point in our lives, and it's funny to have to learn how to like, maybe just make yourself a little uncomfortable and be the dumb one, and it's hard as you get older because you're not allowed to be dumb if you're old, and that's not fair. <laughs> you're not you're not you're supposed to know everything and you're also i don't know i felt like i feel like a lot like people expect me to know stuff and i'm like i don't i don't know i'm just because i'm old i don't know you know so i guess that's that's connected to the boundaries thing and i guess i just go with my gut it's really easy your gut tells you right i mean your gut just is like oh i want to do that and so you go audition and you don't get it and you're heartbroken, but You did it because your guts told you to do it. So that's what I say, how to stay open to art, is let your guts control you.
2: (laughs) I just want to elaborate. Yeah, let your guts control you. I just want to elaborate really quickly on what John said about privilege being, uh, it's a privilege to not be multi-hyphenate. Multi-hyphenation is a direct correlation to privilege, and I say this a lot on my podcast, that multi-hyphenates are primarily made of queer people, women, people of color, because we have had to tell our stories um, on our own volition that, you know, like we have had to write our own perspectives. They don't get produced by other people, by the industry. It's been a white-dominated industry for so, cis, white, straight-dominated industry for so long. So we as queer people, as people of color, as as uh, whoever that has found themselves marginalized in the industry have had to be multi-hyphenate so it's a privilege not to be a multi-hyphenate because i feel like you are um you directly uh are from the trickle down of privilege in this industry i don't know what your Mm -hmm. thoughts are on that but
4: yes please i think this is so interesting i've never heard it put either way like how you just explained um one of the things that came to mind for me in terms of The privilege of not being a multi-hyphenate is thinking about how I manage my acting career with my full-time job and also being a content creator. I feel like I work three full-time jobs in order to be able to live in New York City. And so I'm just like, wow, what would my life be like if I only could act and be a content creator? That's just not a reality right now. I
0: think you'd be bored. (laughs) Okay, all right. I wonder, I wonder.
4: No, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Like, I I think about it often because, you know, being an actor is really expensive um, in terms of the kind of investment that you have to make when it comes to your training, continued training, and then also just rent and living here like you wake up in New York and it's $35 just to wake up so (laughs) it's just very expensive to like live in this city and if you live in LA just hang it up so um, one of the things that For me, working 40 hours a week um, for my full-time job, now most of it is remote, um, but just the kind of energy that my job takes, I'm the director of diversity at a performing arts institution, so doing that kind of work takes a lot of energy, and so I have to really be specific about what work I am going to do with that because of how much energy that takes. I just recently, like I said, did a show. And so when I was doing that show, I was still working my full-time job. I just can't tell y'all how tired I am right now. Like, I am exhausted. But it's a good kind of exhausted because I wanted those things to be in my life. I always find that the exhaustion from something that I'm, like, energized about is better than exhaustion from something that I really didn't want to do. And I really agree with what you said about your gut will tell you. Like when someone asks me to do something and my body will physically respond and I'll be like, if I do that, (laughs) why did I say yes? Like, no, Kaisha, you should not do that actually. So, yeah.
0: And I like had to relearn that. Yeah, Cause you kind of get that knocked out of you a little.
4: I think also,
3: like, a big part of evolving as a multi hyphenate is not putting the pressure on yourself to be as good at, I did quotes for the people listening at home on Broadway <laughs> Podcast Network, as good at each thing from the beginning and understanding that some of the things you take on might be helpful for you in doing your other job better. Um, I feel like, you know, like, we all obviously like have done multiple things and some of those things have, like, lasted and become, like, big career points and some haven't. Um, I feel constantly like time that I've spent interviewing 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 sound designers as a theater historian has made me so much better as a producer talking to sound designers and being like, oh, I I understand your process on that. I understand how we can talk about notes for that. But it's because I listen to you as an interviewer, as a historian. Um, And that's constantly happening. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I learned how to play drums because I thought that would be helpful in talking to the music department. And I'm horrible at drums and I'll never be a drummer as part of my multi-hyphenate. But like, we can all do that at all ages. And I wish constantly that when I was a student, I like... Like, you know, costume designed a student show so that I would have that same thing with costume design. I think that, um, and sometimes that's gonna become a new passion and a new talent and like, hey, I'm adding that to the list of things I like to do that I can do and sometimes it's not and like it's okay either way. I also think in like relation to the no thing, um, I feel like it goes both ways and I feel more understanding than ever when people say no, like we're all so tired from the pandemic as you guys have said perfectly, um, we're also fatigued in figuring out what to say yes to a no to like A no is not a bad thing. Um, I'm doing like a panel later where you know, it's, you're asking people to do the panel and people have a million other things going on and everyone wants to contribute and it's like you're going to get 10 no's for every yes and that's fine and that doesn't mean that person doesn't want to be part of it or doesn't like you. It's not. And when you give it to someone else, it doesn't mean that. Um, just being okay with that on all sides and knowing that people have their own like, journeys with what they're saying yes to.
2: Thanks, everyone. That was so beautiful. And I don't think I shared my definition of a multi-hyphenate, but a multi-hyphenate for me is an artist who has multiple proficiencies which cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. So like the cross-pollinating is exactly what Jen said. It's like understanding our, even if they're not hyphens, understanding a language of something else to get a job done. So you know, um, when you're a producer, well, when I'm a producer, I'm not just a producer. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, the dramatic structure of a writer, you know, making sure that it's telling a specific story. When I'm a photographer, people go, how did you get that shot? Well, I'll tell you my biggest thing. It's my acting training. I breathe, here's my secret, I breathe with the actors, and I wait for the right moment that, when that breath settles and they're telling that specific story, that's when I go, that's when I get it because we're all storytellers in that moment, whether or not we're sitting at the library writing our story, whether or not we're in the studio, whether or not we're creating incredible accessible TikToks that like bust open the industry. I love what you do, Kaisha, so much. We're, you know, writing books and creating at 54. Like there's so much incredible stuff, but what, it all boils down to is storytelling. We're all storytellers. So I sort of want to, as we wrap up, we kind of start to have to wrap up, which really blows, because this was a really good conversation. Um, What to you is your, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? And if it's, this is also something that's in process, right? Like we wake up and it could change and there's a whole process on how to do it but the reason why we're sitting here I think is because we all are doing this for different reasons Um, you're here for different reasons some of you are here because I literally said in the lobby I overheard you go what are we doing at 10am and I said you're coming to my panel you know but because I know what I do I know why I said that to you you know what I mean so it's like We all have to, when we're making artistic choices, be influenced by why we do what we do. So I would love to share um, mine first, and that is I produce non-quotidian artistry that benefits the world around me after surviving COVID-19. So the reason why I chose those words is because I'm a COVID long hauler, and every day is something different with my... Frickin' body, and um, but I'm choosing to continue to tell stories in a very specific, focused way. Something that is about survival. Something that is about um, con- you know continuing conversations. Non quotidian artistry. Non quotidian meaning different, off the beaten path. Something that hasn't been done before. Um, and sometimes you know says it best. You know anything you do, let it come from you, then it will be new, right? I think that is a really great um. Uh, way to sort of live your life as an artist and I'm sorry about this question to to these panelists because I did not (laughs) prep them with that question but I think it's nice to sort of check in and who knows what you're going to discover when you answer this question
0: so thanks for going on that journey with me Um, who wants to go first I'll go Okay. Um, this is new I just figured this out because I had to actually write it down but oh gosh I just lost it no I'll get it though I yeah go go because I have to think no no I want to listen though let me do it I can do it I'll do it right now all right uh this is I think I'm all right so um I almost I wrote a play called Almost Maine which it's so good everybody
3: go see it read it (laughs) yeah
0: and it's it was like the slowest viral sensation in the history of (laughs) anything because it really slowly 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 got popular and I wrote it when I was 28 and I'm 52 now and it's really popular. It got really, really really popular in my 40s and 50s, and it's really weird. And one of the things I figured out from talking to other people is that there isn't a lot of depiction of rural Americans in uh, the culture, um, in art and culture. Uh, well, it is in the culture. If it's in the culture, um, rural people are Trump voters, they're addicted to meth, opiates, and they're not well educated and they're dumb. Those are the things that we know about rural people. And as a person from a rural place, um, I've learned that my work is about rural people and it's about queerness in rural America. I know a lot of queer people who live in rural Maine and don't leave and work on Christmas tree farms and don't look like what we think queer people look like. And I'm interested in trying to just help people understand what it is to be rural, what it is to be queer, um, and just to multi-dimensionalize people who are from rural places. I think it's kind of missing in the art and culture and it's just not on TV much. It, um, and I just, I guess that's kind of my, what I'm realizing. I didn't know this was my goal, but I, as I work on my, my work is about pretty much rural people and it's just, that's that's my thing right now for sure. I guess that's my why. And it wasn't before, I never knew that was my why, but I just really love where I'm from. I really love the people I grew up with. I love that I grew up with people who worked dirty jobs and. People who work dirty jobs have sex and kiss people and love each other and we just don't give them much room to do that.
3: A big part of my answer is actually encompassed by Broadway BroadwayCon. Um, like I love being part of a community where we can like geek out and that's okay and it's embraced. And like as someone who's a theater professional, um, there's never a moment where I'm not like, oh my God, like I'm booking this person or like I get to interview this person. And I love that like I'm still that, you know, teenager listening to cast albums in her bedroom, like miles away from New York every day, even if some days I'm like, you know, I just did a, I'm smoking a cigarette for those listening podcasts. <laughs> but some days it's like that, and that's okay. And some days I'm like, oh my God, like I get to geek out with other people about this thing we all love. And that's a big part of my job. Like I get to be a professional fangirl and like that's so gratifying and exciting and then the other half of this is something I couldn't have really like understood till COVID which is like being in a room with other humans telling the stories and like I love like the access that streaming has provided and like it's so awesome that theater people get to also do film and TV but just being in a room with people clapping and looking at each other in the eye and sharing the music live in that room or the play in that room like it's so exciting and it's not like anything else and it's happened for thousands and thousands of years and it like will never stop stop like we'll always be in a room telling stories no matter how much technology we get mm-hmm. and I feel like we're so lucky to be working in theater for that reason
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Come on, applause.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so moved by the answers so far I mean truly uh, you know some people are are religious and have their weekly you know sit down in a, in a church to get with themselves my my faith is possibility i feel like i that is the faith that i practice and with my myself and my clients and one of the big reasons i moved from acting into the other side is because i like to help cultivate possibility in other people that was it was there already, but to uncover it so that they can unleash their creative genius and be everything that they could possibly be. And so it feels like such a privilege to get to do that (laughs) for a living, to watch people become the best version of themselves for a living, it's just the best.
4: Wow, why did I go last? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think... (laughs) Oh my goodness! Uh, this is such a big question. And I feel like this is something that has evolved, especially over the past three years. For me, I I think that my why is very rooted in service and the idea that I want to be of service to people, getting to tell stories and just knowing what that is like when you go to a theater and you kind of can just zone out and be fully immersed in that story and in that experience that is being created that one moment in time. There's something so beautiful about that, being a theater goer and a theater maker. Like I just love that. And so being able to give that to people is like a really special gift. And I enjoy that a lot. But also a big part of my why is wanting to establish generational wealth for my family. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up in Southeast D.C., growing up in the hood, growing up in the circumstances that I grew up in, I want to show girls like me, like, hey, you can do it too. You know, with where I come from, a lot of people would be like, yo, like, you came from what? Like, I wasn't raised by both of my parents. I didn't have, you know, access to the arts until I was in high school. And so I hope to... In all honesty, make a lot of money because I want to give access to people like me. I want kids to be able to have arts programs in their schools at that tender age of two, three. Like, we don't need to, like, what happened with me was in high school, um, that was the first school I went to that had an actual arts program. And so, My thought is, if I have lots and loads of cash money, Mm -hmm. I can hopefully make a change in terms of providing access to people, giving scholarships, having some kind of foundation that allows students to learn about the arts and to started a younger age. I think my trajectory would be so much different had I had that access when I was a kid. And so a big part of this for me, um, I tell people all the time, I want to be famous and I want to be really rich. Like, I'm not even joking. Like I, and that's a, a big part for me because I know how impactful it was for me to see someone like Issa Rae on TV doing all the things and being fierce AF in all of them. And I'm like, I want that for me and I want not just for the sake of me, but for the sake of my family, for the sake of others who would then look up to me. Um, So yeah. Um,
2: Thank you for those very vulnerable and powerful answers and for allowing me, allowing yourselves to go on that journey with me. Um, It's so interesting. You know, so many people go, wow, you're gonna be in the theater. There's no money on that. Have fun waiting tables and stuff like that. And it's like, Sure, whatever, and, there, and you don't not like if you're a server, great, you I, I 100% support you, but with multi hyphenating, I think that's the one lucrative approach to theater making because you are making your decisions on your own and you barely have you don't really have to answer to many people when you are putting yourselves in that position of power, um, and when you create an undeniable artistry such as these people at this table that have with me i think it proves that like there are ways to find lucrative success in the industry while also finding community while also having those ups and those downs those positives those negatives that's those stories that make the theater so exciting and um, multi hyphenating equals a lucrative <laughs> um, theatrical experience. So really start thinking about why you do what you do and how you can take the power back and create um, your from your own perspective. Um, I w- so as we wrap up, which I don't want to, um, I just want to share a few things. Uh, please follow this podcast with Broadway Podcast Network at Dear Um I'm um, at the Michael Kushner and at Dear on Instagram. I'm also giving away two tickets to Paradise Square. Um, so all you have to do is uh, is write a review on Apple Podcasts for Dear Um and. That review, I'm going to enter into a little hat and pick a name for two free tickets to Paradise Square. So please do that ASAP and go see Paradise Square. It's incredible. Um, and I'm going to go down the line, and uh, I want everyone to plug your social media or where to contact you or whatever. And I just want to say thank you to Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you to uh, Beatriz and Alan. You're all wonderful. Um, thank you to Broadway Podcast Broadway Con thank you to Broadway Con. thanks Gabe my social media guy for being here um, he's incredible if anyone's looking to, for someone to run their social media and thank you to my panelists I love you with all my heart and I like really like you're all so wonderful And thank you for donating your time to be here. And that is a huge thing I want to shout out, is that these people have donated their time to be here. And um, I love you, and that will never, ever go unnoticed. Um, So let's go down the line. Let's plug our social media, where to find us. And then let's go on and celebrate more Broadway. Okay? Jen, you want to go? Oh, my God. Before we do anything, can we sing
3: happy birthday to Mikey? Oh. (laughs) Okay, one, two, three. Happy Uh, birthday to you. Thank you. Happy birthday
2: <laughs> to you. Thank you so much. <laughs>
3: Happy birthday, <laughs> dear it's
2: Mike. It's Michael, Mikey, whatever you want. I, we've
3: Happy known each other a long time. to you. Thank,
2: you. thank you, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I love being 21. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks, babe. Thank you, guys. Um,
3: so I'm at Jen Ashtep on social media. Um, my books are The Untold Stories of Broadway. Um, come to 54 Below. Maybe I'll see you there.
2: Oh, also my book, How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, Conversations, Advice and Tips from Dear Multi-Hyphenate comes out in February. It's actually available for pre-order on Amazon right now. There's just no book cover, so it's like still getting approved, but it is available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, Follow on social media for more. I'm really excited to share it with you.
4: Mike. Thank you. I'm Kaisha Creates everywhere on every single platform. Super easy. It's K-A-I-S-H-A Creates, and my website is kaishacreates.com.
0: Hi, uh, John Cariani, and you can find me, just go online. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, I'm JW wait, JWS.community is the studio website. Jenwaldman.com is me. I'm at Jen Waldman everywhere. And my podcast is the long and the short of it. Our website is the Long and the short podcast.com.
2: Thank you, everyone. We have to go to make way for the next recording. So thank you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.